It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. On today's show, we've got connected farms, buying your groceries at airports, fast food adoption of QR codes is insane. We've got one more company doing that. Plus, our resource of the week, M&A activity, and our special guest, Lars Hart, who is the founder of artificial intelligence company, Expert Maker. Prepare to have your mind blown. Everybody and welcome to episode number 93. We're recording this live between Asif and I on September 3rd, 2012, which is Labor Day Monday, early, early, early in the morning. Welcome to the show. We've got a great one. My name, Rob Woodbridge from untether.tv, that place you come to to learn about pervasive computing and mobile and how you can make money out of doing these things, using these things for your business. I'm from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and joining me as always from Toronto, yeah, Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association, and you can find uh, me and it at uh, thelbma.com and the Twitter. And uh, yeah, great show, uh, lots going on, and um, yeah, looking forward to uh, digging into it. Well, we do. We have our typical five stories that Asif has, has culled, has curated, has put in front of us. We've got our resource of the week, M&A and some funding activity, and we got a great guest. Uh, I had an opportunity to sit down with Lars Hard, who is the founder of a company called Expert Maker, and uh, in Europe. And these guys, you know, I, I said at the beginning, prepare to have your mind blown. We're going to be talking about artificial intelligence and how this fits in with location and awareness and inference and all these kind of things. So it's a pretty great, great interview. I can't wait to uh, to share that with you. But before we do that. Asif, you got some great feedback about what we're doing here. God, I love when we get some good feedback like this. You want to share that a little, little bit of sharing? Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, you know, uh, we're always uh, begging for praise, and uh, you know, and, <laughs> it's a good way to put it. <laughs> and, and, and and the bad stuff too. But uh, you know, it, more it's praise great when uh, when you know we're we do this every week, and it, it's just great to hear from people that are out there listening to it. So uh, earlier this week, I uh, got a uh, a tweet uh, from a company called Proximity, P R O X I M I T I. These guys are in Australia. Uh, so you know we you know our audience is all over the world, um, uh, and from where we are, that's all the way on the other side of the world. Um, but Proximity is a you know a, an agency of sorts that um, works with brands and businesses to help them you know employ location-based uh, techniques and tools. So, uh, but they sent a tweet, and the tweet is the best free resource on location-based marketing at the LBMA podcast. Get the latest from the greatest. Love it, guys. Thanks. Thanks so much. Oh, man. You know, it fills my heart with joy. You know, that this is the, the reason we do it is that exact reason for uh, for feedback like this and for at least making an impact and having an understanding. And I've had, you know, a week of that. You know, people have been re reaching out to me as well saying, Listen, you know what, this is this is very helpful because it brings a global perspective to this industry. We are so, we always talk about this, we're so North American centric here. Uh, we are in our own business and we don't realize sometimes what's going on with the rest of the world. And I think that this gives a good glimpse of what, it, what is going on. And for everybody else who's listening from around the world, it gives a great glimpse about what's going on in North America. And I think that that kind of insight is invaluable. So I really appreciate that. I mean, I'm going to pull it up here again, proximity.com.au. Go and check them out and, you know, support them. Boy. That's all you have to do. Send us a good comment and you'll get on the show like this. Get exposed to the audience. It's that easy. It is. We are cheap. Yeah. We are cheap and easy. 
Uh, anything going on with the uh, Location-Based Marketing Association in the coming? We're just into September, the New Year business renewal, it seems. This is the this is like, uh, you know, New Year's Eve uh, for business. Things start to pick up in September. You you are heading out on the road again, Asif? Yeah, yeah. I'm still around this week, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, just, every, you know, back to school, back to work, all that kind of getting going again and everything. But, uh, yeah, next week I'm... Uh, off to uh, Denver uh, for the tail end of the NRFshop.org as well as the uh, M for Mobile's uh, uh, retail engagement uh, conference, and um, so that'll be um, exciting. And then uh, I uh, there through the weekend, and then on Sunday uh, move over to Chicago for the uh, Food Service uh, Social Media Universe uh, conference FSMU. So. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's going to be a busy, busy time. Um, you know, September always is, and um, lots going on. Well, yeah, you are never in one place for too long. Maybe in Toronto. Yeah. Settle down no, in Toronto. But I have been home for three weeks almost, so it's, you know, in, it's a new record. Your family doesn't know what to do with you. That's exactly <laughs> what happens. Yeah. Wow, we got an extra set of hands. Well, um, uh, you know, let's let's jump into the activity that has happened in the past week. Uh, you know, this is why people come and listen to this and watch this podcast is is because uh, we bring a, a great breadth and depth of uh, of story from around the world in the location based marketing world. So let's let's get into this. Our top five stories of this past week. Let's talk about this little company called Shoutlet. I don't even know if it's a little company, but it just you know Shoutlet sounds like a little company, the little, little kind of little name like an applet or a pluglet. But uh, these guys tap, tapping into Foursquare uh, to kind of round out their social monitoring and automation uh, software. Let's talk about how these guys are doing this. I, I think this is a, a neat service. I was not sold on it because I thought it was a very competitive landscape. But the more I look at it, the more I, I feel that this is a one, you know, integrating with Foursquare is one piece of a much larger pie for these guys. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a competitive market. I mean, there are a lot of uh, social media analytics monitoring tools out there, uh, web analytics uh, tools, you know, even Google uh, uh, Analytics, you could argue, is, is a player in this space. Um, but yeah, I mean... These are guys who you know are focused on uh, you know on working with businesses, uh, helping them integrate their uh, their social marketing campaigns. So the tool today supports Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and now Foursquare, and sort of putting that all in one place. Um, and it's really about you know sort of leveraging the data you know coming off of one tool and, and combining it with the ability to take action on another tool. And, and that's that's what I really like about these kinds of things. It, it's that. You know, somebody's in, in a location right now, they've tweeted something while they're there, and, you know, we can reward them on Foursquare, or vice versa. Somebody checks in on, on you know, at a particular one of our locations as a brand, and we can, you know, tweet a response to them in real time and uh, engage them on yet another layer. So it's that kind of ability of, you know, just combining things, you know, if you're monitoring them and, and you've got tools to kind of aggregate all, and pull all that data together. So I love it. Um, I, you know, your comment on size, I don't know how big they are either, but I know they raised 15 million bucks uh, back in June. So uh, at least they've got some capital. Uh, it's to, big enough. To grow the yeah, yeah the, I, I love that too. I mean, the, the big thing for, for me is is it, it being able to, uh, you know, reward across all these social platforms. And I think that Foursquare is an important piece, but so is uh, something like Instagram. So is, and you know, we're going to move into this world where photos are, gonna, are now obviously playing a huge part in brand awareness and brand recognition. 
and uh, you know your brand. If you're a brand out there, your 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 brand is being photographed right now. Guarantee it. And now. And now. And now. And how do you bring that information into this as part of that social graph? And I think that that's well, once they enter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sort of like this episode is brought to you by McCafe. No, I was going to say it's actually brought to <laughs> you by. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not. And Tim Hortons. But, uh, yes. And Tim Hortons. Yeah. yeah. So, but but we've got two, the two co- competing coffee companies down in Canada going at it here: McDonald's and Tim Hortons. And uh, yeah. yeah, one's a hockey player and the other one's a clown, literally, yeah. literally right? Uh, but I, I think Shoutlet, this kind of thing, um, once it's fully integrated with all of these social, uh, whoever does that properly with Yelp and all the other uh, um, mobile social uh, platforms, even even companies like Banjo, you start to then see a much better picture. But I love that yes. you can have 10,000 likes or 100,000 likes in Facebook and then reward people through uh, through Foursquare if they check in or have 10,000 check-ins and then reward people through Twitter and Facebook. And and that, that's, a, that's, that's, that's the future. That's what we're going to start to see is these integrated... Uh, social media mobile campaigns and so you know the more i thought about it the, the more i like this little company go to shoutlet.com exactly how it sounds shoutlet.com pretty cool company good start good start no yeah. rants all positive no it's all good it's all positive all right so from uh you know social media and the uh you know the advanced state of social media and mobile hey what about this whole thing about farming you know, I, this is one of those uh, industries that we hear about. We always hear about this African farmer who is in the middle of his field and has, you know, bushels of uh, of uh, hay, and he's trying or rice, and he's trying to figure out where where is the best market to go and uh, sell his wares. So he pulls up his Nokia device, he gets a GPS location, he he checks the market price for two different markets, and then he decides to walk in the right direction with his with his fare. So we hear about this kind of um, uh, this kind of farming rural farming implementation of mobile but this is a company called trimble who's created a connected farm app for you know for uh, really developed nations what, what what is this thing and why do it well for, first of all what i love about this and the reason i pulled it out this week is you know we can talk it seems until you know we're blue in the face around you know how location-based and mobile is being used in retail, uh, retail, 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 and you know restaurants and you know and, and that's obviously you know engages you know the consumer population so so that's that's great but there's so many other applications uh, in healthcare in in agriculture and farming and you know you know all these other sectors that uh, you know we just don't see enough from yet and 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 the power is there to kind of leverage you know gps tools and and other things to to make it happen and so that's you know so trimble's doing that and i love it it's called connected farm uh it's an app that's available um for iphone and android um and uh yeah i mean so what this is really is yeah, and it's free, uh, so you know you know it's uh, they're not charging for this uh, for farmers. So the idea is is you know if you're out there, you're a farmer, you're you know an agricultural scientist, you're you're you know anybody in that in that area, you know this is you know going out there mapping uh, boundaries of your fields, you know uh, flagging uh, particular problem spots, uh, looking for areas you know where there's you know pests and and insects uh, issues, you know and kind of you know geofencing certain areas, tagging certain things. Um, you know, this is great because, you know, I don't know if you spent much time in the farming world, but, um, you know, certainly where I live is, is, is farm country around here. So it's, uh, you know, you can drive for, you know, miles and miles and miles and just see field after field. And some of these things are, you know, hundreds of hectares uh, in size. And, you know, going in and, and, you know, sort of, you know, tagging a certain area in the middle of, you know, your, uh, you know, you know, 
fiftieth hectare out in the middle of nowhere, um, and, and saying, you know, there's this got this particular uh, problem or disease issue right now, you know, and be able to map that and tag it to 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 a map, you know, that's the kind of stuff doing here and, and it's got Instagram type features you can take photos and tag photos and upload stuff and you know all that kind of stuff so it, it's it's really powerful this ability to kind of mapping farming properties and, and issues related to that with uh, with uh, you know GPS data yeah this this is a natural you know uh, surveyors uh, this is one of those things that I that I think that is a natural fit for uh, data collection and consumption obviously the, the tablet is and, and uh, smartphone is is right in the middle of this it's better than than paper and uh, pen uh, because you're storing the information, you're sending it up to the cloud, and I gather this is just uh, you know it, it's up in the cloud, but then it's just for you to print and kind of have as a reference. But I would love to see how they they aggregate this data across all farms that are using this tool, and then and then come up with patterns and you know recognize when there's a you know I don't know a swarm of locusts you know or a, a certain disease that is that is coming into the into um, into a, a region or the migration of disease or a migration of, um, of some kind of, uh, you know, of seeds even. And I think that this is one of those, uh, we're at the very beginning of this. And um, I love to see how, how mobile plays a role in farming analytics. And, you know, I think that that's the coolest part. Yeah. Data is the key here. And, and if you're a data geek, you, you just look at this and think, my God, it's like, it is like Project NOAA, uh, you know, where we talked uh, many times, yeah. right? Where you're classifying and categorizing a lot of this stuff. And, and I love this tech. I, farms, you know, they're advanced technology, more so than many industries in this, uh, in this world. And I love how they're adopting uh, mobile and location. Very cool. Yeah, so uh, check it out. Trimble uh, is the company. Yeah. Connected Farm is the app. Um, you know, these guys are big players in the in the uh, agricultural world, and they're doing great work. So yeah, hit hit up uh, connectedfarm.com, and you'll see an example of uh, what these guys are doing. And you can download the app if you if you so choose. Uh, I haven't. I'm I'm not near any farms, Asif. Yeah, I'm surrounded yeah, by well, one, yeah. but I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not near one. It's apple season. I'm gonna have to go picking. Yes, sir. Fall, fall apples. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Well, uh, that's it. So uh, that's Trimble. Go to uh, connectedfarm.com for more information about that, or to download the app and see see how they're doing it. Very interesting. I love that perspective. I love it. Okay. So, third story. We've all heard about these pop-up stores that are coming up. Uh, you know, we saw this in what was in the in the subway in Korea, where you know yeah. they transformed the walls into a uh, into a grocery store. We're starting going to start to see this much more, where the world is becoming a marketplace. Every vacant wall or window becomes a store as a result of mobile and location QR codes and all that, and, and soon to be NFC. Um, but I love this Tesco. Um, running a, an, a grocery store in airports for people who are on their way home to be able to get groceries when they get home. You know, we always have that. The mi milk is stale. Um, what, uh, like this is, this is one, of the, one of the innovative ideas. A new meaning to shopping on the go. For the busy passengers at London's Gatwick Airport, Tesco, Britain's biggest retailer, just trialled the UK's first virtual shop. The interactive store allows holidaymakers to buy groceries using their smartphones and arrange for them to be delivered to their home on their return. We're all getting used to buying things online and many of us already use our smartphones to order our groceries. But this is a store of a different kind. All the products here are virtual. You just need your smartphone and the Tesco app. 
you open up the barcode scanner and then scan the barcode of one of the virtual products. And hearing that beep, that means that the item's been added to your basket, ready for checkout. The shelves in the virtual store display 80 items on four screens, although customers can search for all available products. The whole size of it, that really, when I walked in here, that sort of caught my eye, but, but yeah, it does look really useful. Anything that's going to make the life easier is, uh, is, is good, good news. Yeah, I'd give it a go. It's pretty handy. That might be part of the challenge Tesco and other retailers face. Many customers like the idea of shopping online, but haven't yet got around to doing it. Yeah, so, you know, you, you referenced the, uh, the subways in Korea, and, and, and it's also Tesco who did that, uh, to, did that project, uh, you know, over a year ago now. These guys are awesome. And uh, so the idea, really, really what we're talking about here is, is whether it's Tesco or, or anybody else, it, it's about taking the store to where the people are. Um, you know, and, and, and no longer relying only on, on bricks and mortar, uh, you know, stores. And so the idea here is, is what they've done is uh, Gatwick Airport in, in the UK, um, they, they basically created a wall uh, that, you know, visual representation of products that are available in, in the grocery store uh, with QR codes, uh, same as they did in the subway platforms. And through, via a mobile app, you can walk up, you can scan a particular item put it in your basket, pay for it, and uh, have it delivered to your, uh, to your home. The beauty of this is, you know, the, the association, though, with, you know, the particular people and the particular location here. So what you're talking about is people who are traveling, they've just returned home from, you know, a business trip uh, or, you know, a holiday or wherever they've been. So they've been, they've been out, of, out, of, out of town for a while, let's say, and they've just arrived home. They've landed at the airport. And what's the, one of the first things you got to do when you've been away for a while? Well, you got to you got to you know go buy some more milk and bread and you know groceries. So you know why not you know just get off the plane, scan the thing, um, you know, and have it you know delivered so that it's it's at your at your house ready to go by the time you you get there uh, you know with your, with your luggage. So it makes sense. Um, so so I really like this. It's a trial. They're only running it for uh, for a couple uh, for three weeks uh, as a test to see what happens. But uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think this uh, this makes a lot of sense. Well, it's it's a practical application of something like this. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if the big screens that they're talking about uh, in the uh, that they show in the video, you know, there's four big, you know, I don't know, they were eight foot eight foot screens, and uh, and I wonder if that's just a way to uh, create an adoption because ultimately you can do all of this on your smartphone anyways. If you know, just set up an account with uh, Tesco and your location and and uh, and order things and then have it pre-delivered because they said even in the video yeah. you can do that up to three weeks before. Um, so I think that the screens themselves are just a transitionary thing for people to get used to the fact or create an awareness for the fact that you can do this because eventually this is all going to go to mobile or or web at some point, right? Yeah, but it, but it's also about you know that combination of media you yeah. know just helps reinforce you know that uh, you know that thought in your in your mind. Like you know normally I, even though I could probably do it purely on mobile, you, you know I get off yeah. the plane, I'm thinking about other things. Yeah. You know, I probably forget about it, and then I get home, and then I'm like, "Oh, I uh, I got to go back out to get groceries," uh, as opposed to uh, you know, I get off the plane, the thing's right, right in there. front of my face. Yeah. You know, I I can see it everywhere. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I need to do that." So why not do that? Um, it just makes sense. The the one in in Korea that they did before, apparently, uh, about fifty five thousand transactions have already gone through that uh, that system. And Tesco is not foreign to mobile. I was looking at some of the numbers on this, and it, they said sixteen percent of Tesco's sales 
you know, total sales involve smartphones, and and eight percent are exclusively coming from mobile. That's to your crazy. Point, so. Like you know, it's a. Um this is this is something that's coming, and I love the idea. I, I wonder what it does. These screens do to basket size. So just as you said, I mean, they're only displaying a thing, you know, a certain number of products, but you can you can order anything from their obviously their catalog, their, their food catalog. Yeah. But I wonder what this does for basket size. Is that you know sometimes I think you know all I need is milk at home, and a good bowl of you know honey yeah. nut Cheerios. Uh, so it, it's easy it's easy to do. But then when I look at the screen, it's like oh yeah I need bread and oh yeah I need some meats and oh yeah for tomorrow Billy's lunch and all that kind of stuff. So I wonder if it increases basket size by putting that those screens up in in the airport. And and but but uh, this is this is something that Asia has adapt has adopted. Uh, obviously, or has trialed. They've t tried this. Uh, Tesco's done this in in Korea. Now uh, we're doing this at Gatwick Airport. Uh, but what about North America? Is this something? Are we are we ready for this yet, or is this something that we've seen? I haven't. Seen I think so. Yeah, we've seen limited trials yeah. of this in places like Times Square uh, and others. Um, you know, I think uh, in, around last Christmas there was uh, there was a trial. Uh, one of the fashion uh, magazines did did something with some That's of their right. advertisers. Yeah. So yeah, I, th I think we're going to see more of this. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, uh, come Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving this year, uh, we saw a couple of these kinds of pop-up stores. So yeah, uh, for sure. Even, even here in Toronto, we had uh, just recently, uh, back early early in the summer, uh, there's a company called LivingWell.ca, a healthcare uh, products company, that uh, did exactly this um, in the uh, subway station. Uh, the, the main subway station in, in downtown Toronto, Union Union Station, it's called. Uh, they had a, a wall uh, with healthcare uh, products and uh, and 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 same kind of thing. So you could you could do it that way. Well, I I would welcome this. You know, I think of uh, media companies, newspaper companies, television, radio companies, and I think that their next move has to be into this. So they've got all these advertisers, and why aren't these guys setting up, uh, you know, um, commerce enablement for their advertisers through these pop-up stores? You know, doesn't it, it's not hard to imagine. You know where people are congregating around subway stations, bus shelters, those kind of things. Why aren't they using those as commerce opportunities? Just like Tesco's using the airport as commerce opportunity yeah. and and uh, subways. And I think that, yeah, m maybe 2013 is this year where we're going to start to see you know the the increased reliance on pop-up stores like this or commerce opportunities like this for uh, you know empty windows and uh, empty walls everywhere to be able to buy product yeah. it's pretty cool tesco um it, you know if you're interested you should be following this company because they're obviously on the forefront when it comes to uh, retail and grocery and uh, and mobile and pop-up stores and, and enablement 16 percent of their transactions done over mobile it's incredible I wonder what that's like for uh, Canadian or American uh, uh, brands, uh, grocery stores. I don't think it. I don't think it would be that high. No, I, yeah. Well, no, no near that. Go into them today, and you don't find any kind of uh, you know mobile engagement whatsoever from at least from Canadian uh, um, shopping. Uh, uh, sorry, Canadian grocery stores like Loblaws or Metro. So very interested to see how this rolls out. I think this might be one of those trends that we're going to be talking about come the end of the year. Who knows? So check out uh, Tesco uh, and uh, what they're doing with the at Gatwick Airport. There's a video that you would have seen by now that is a uh, that is a summary of this. It's pretty cool, pretty cool technology. All right, uh, our fourth story. Uh, what is this? Um, we've we've got this company Flow Automotive and uh, Proximus Mobility. Uh, what's so significant about this? Well, here's what I like about this. Proximus Mobility is a uh, you know is one of the players in sort of the indoor location space, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth-based proximity marketing. 
Um, and and Flow Automotive is a uh, you know is a company that uh, you know is as their name implies they represent the automotive industry um, and uh, you know automotive dealerships uh, in particular in, in sort of North Carolina Virginia area so they're a regional player uh, down in that area but they're the title sponsor for or or one of the uh, one of the sponsors uh, for a uh, a, a ATP World Tour uh, event, so uh, tennis, uh, the tennis uh, circuit, uh, the Winston Winston Salem Open actually is what it's called, um, and uh, and so these guys are one of the sponsors for this, and and I, and I pulled this one out this week. So th this was a tournament that went on August nineteenth to the twenty fifth. So just it, it just wrapped up uh, about a week ago, and what I liked about it is is that we when we talk about indoor location, we talk often about you know, being inside of buildings and figuring out exactly where somebody is in a building. But here you have the same technology being applied at an event, uh, you know, and, and outdoors, um, you know, in, in a lot of cases. So the idea here is, is you have this company who's, you know, one of the big sponsors. They've got all sorts of, you know, booths and, and different things going on and that they're trying to draw attention to. And they're using the Proximus technology to do that. They're using the Proximus technology to sort of, you know, push, notify people, uh, that are there uh, to come and check out a certain thing, um, and I really like that. Um, and it's a different application. We don't often hear about event-based uh, marketing using this type of technology. Um, so, so that I just want to draw attention to that and to say that you know, indoor locations not only inside of a building, always you know, locked inside of a of a store. Uh, you know, you can take it out as well and uh, and apply it to event sponsorship and marketing like this. Uh, yeah, and we're gonna, we see this all obviously right now um, inside of stadiums that are existing right now, like uh, uh, basketball stadiums, uh, hockey arenas, and baseball stadiums. Uh, you know, very few of them, but there's massive opportunity. And uh, you know, yeah. we talked about uh, um, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment a couple of episodes ago, and I think that that's yes. that's what we're talking about here is that integration, that experience. Um, to be able to, you know, I think it distills down to Canadians anyways, as we said before, is, is finding the shortest line to a beer, right? That's, that, yeah. this, is the, this is the beginning of that. There's got to be a reason to use these things. And I, I like these kinds of, uh, these kinds of experiments. And, and great to see what the results were. I wish people would re release results, like the impact, like, you know, the assessment right. of how this, this happened. And maybe what we can do is try to get some of these guys, you know, either from Flow or from Proximus, um, on the show to talk about the results for sure yeah, yeah. And, and I'll uh, I'll make a note of that Robin I'll, I'll reach out to uh, the, the Proximus has a new uh, head of marketing I, I just spoke to him a couple of weeks ago so let's maybe we can get him on board uh, Jerry Arias and uh, see what he has to say about this uh, you know a few weeks after it's uh, it's all wrapped yeah, up you know I think that that's really what will move this industry forward is is uh, is companies that are on the forefront of doing these things and offering a little bit of insight as to the impact and and the benefit for doing this and then we're going to start to see this roll out if it works out very well so we'll try to do that that's on a seaf you guys out there watching right. or listening done. hit him up with an email Consider it done. nice all right uh fifth and last story uh what is it with these uh with the fast food companies that are adopting the qr code to drive activity for the stores it, it's a it you know um these guys, we all know the story of fast food companies. Uh, they uh, opportunistic when when the automobile started to take off and the highways started to be built and people needed food and all of a sudden McDonald's was everywhere and then that's what built the uh, you know in in a very quick summary uh, that's what built the fast food industry and now uh, you know they've adopted the QR code really as the go-to mechanism in order to be able to drive activity to stores and so the latest company to do this, hey Wendy's, 
Dave Smith, right? Isn't that his name? Dave? Dave? Yeah. Uh, from Wendy's. Uh, they're launching their mobile QR campaign in order to be able to drive activity to the store. What is this? I've got my thoughts on this, but what, what, why is this, why are, why are, why is it fast food companies that are adopting this? Well, you know, I think it's, you know, first of all, I think QR codes are, uh, you know, are holding their own uh, at the moment. You know, consumers are getting more comfortable with the idea. They see one, you know, people are scanning them like crazy. Um, you know, I, I'm still a bit, um, my one thing that I don't like about QR codes uh, at the moment is, if you don't properly message them, right? If you don't put enough description around the QR code that says, "Here's what happens when you scan this," right. I think it can be really risky, and it, and it, and you can open yourself up to, you know, a lot of potential back, uh, backlash from from consumers. Um, because if you just have a QR code up there and somebody scans it, and you know, heaven forbid, it goes to some place that it shouldn't go to, um, you know, or some kid scans it and it goes to something that's just completely inappropriate. <laughs> Like, um, hey, you know, I see, like a fast food chain, by the way. Like a fast food chain. <laughs> it's yeah. totally inappropriate for um, kids. So, you know, there's always risk there, but I think, uh, you know, there's ways to do it well uh, with, with uh, proper messaging around that. And in this particular case, I think the messaging is, is, is solid. Um, so what they've done is, is they're putting QR codes on, on the bags. Uh, you know, so you order your food, you, you know, they put it in a bag, and on the outside of the bag is a QR code now. Uh, but with some good messaging. So it says, check in for a chance to win, scan for full details, and to find a Wendy's near you. So it's, it's, it's both location-based as well as, uh, you know, uh, competition or, or, you know, some kind of contest going on here uh, that you can, you can win stuff. Uh, and check-ins. So it's, it's a combination of things here. So it's not just a, a scan to win. Uh, it's a check-in-based uh, uh, system as well. It's finding, you know, the closest Wendy's to where you are. Um, so it's, they're combining all of these elements. So for that, I think it's a, you know, it, it, it's solid in that sense. Uh, but you're right. I mean, everybody's doing this. Taco Bell, KFC, McDonald's, everybody's, you know, putting QR codes out there right now. So, yeah, you know, my, my only thing with this is I, I like that. I just pulled it up on the screen here, which was the, uh, an image of it, which is uh, check in for a chance to win, scan for full details. Um, uh, you know, it's on the bag. Um, and then it says, um, find a Wendy's near you. Dude, I'm carrying the Wendy's bag from a takeout yeah. Wendy's. I already found the Wendy's near to me, right? What do you want me to do? Go to another Wendy's? It, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of QR codes. Putting it on your bag as you're taking it out to find out another restaurant where another re restaurant location is insane. What a waste. Like you talk about your messaging, <laughs> the impact of the messaging. You're right, Asif. But why would they put that? Find a Wendy's near you on a takeout bag. Yeah. Wait, wait. There's one. So, there's a litter. I, I think it's it's less about finding a Wendy's near you, right. and more about you, you. You've already come to a Wendy's. <laughs> you've already bought stuff from me. It's sort of like, um, it, 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 you know, if I could correlate it in a different way, it's sort of like, you know, when when you got your Facebook page or your Twitter thing, and you've got you know a hundred thousand people that say they like you or they follow you or whatever you know the the term is we want to go with today. Um, Effectively, if you've just bought stuff at Wendy's, you like Wendy's or you're following them, right? So you're, what you're doing here is is you're creating further engagement with people who are already identified as fans of your brand. Right. Who've just bought product from you, in fact, more than just fans. Yeah. Like they already uh, spent they money. Spend money with you. Yeah. So, so you're extending the, the engagement you know, further down the, the, the channel by doing this, by putting that QR code on there. You're saying, okay, you already like us. You just bought stuff from us. 
you know, scan this thing and you can win stuff and you can do stuff. And and maybe if you're, you know, maybe you bought that on your way into work and maybe, you know, on your way into work you, you can find another Wendy's that you could, you know, you stop there for breakfast and now you can find one for lunch. Well, okay, great. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think see in, your doctor. You're, you're right, the, you know, the find the Wendy's part of it, um, you know, is probably less useful. Yeah. Um, but the check-in and, and, and contest part makes sense in this context. But and, and again, it's about engagement with existing customers and just, you know, furthering that loyalty. Totally agree. And and if that's like that's the message you want to get around, uh, get out there, get it out there. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know, um, I don't know who uh, goes on to Facebook and likes Wendy's, right? Other than people who are in contests or competition, you know, something like this. Because I, you know, it's it's a weird thing to me to like a brand like Wendy's because it's transient. It's whatever's near to you. Like you like the Wendy's that is near to you. Not you don't go out of your way to drive to a specific Wendy's because the atmosphere, right? You you like the Wendy's near to you, and it's all about proximity. So leverage that with something like this. Uh, you know, a QR code um, around. You know, I don't think that anybody has a favorite Wendy's. I can't imagine, right? So uh, you might like Wendy's itself, but but engagement. And it, it's another thing to have have them engage when they're in there. But be very specific, as you said. The, the messaging around the QR code has to be something that you actually yeah. want them to do. So get an action out of them so either for the contest or get a like or sign up for an email newsletter whatever it is but then there's also this the other side of it which is driving traffic to the store to specific stores and i think that that's yeah. that's they're missing opportunity here for that if this is all just on the takeout bag uh you yeah. also want to increase basket size you also want to increase you, you know when people are making a decision do i really want uh, that uh uh you know artery hardening food or this Art, artery hard, hardening food. Uh, I want them to make a decision to go to Wendy's, and how do you do that? And how do you use mobile and location to do that? And and uh, so I think that there's opportunity here for Wendy's. But you know, cool that they're doing this. But man, if you like Wendy's on your uh, if you like if you like Wendy's, like and you've done it on a Facebook page and you go there quite often, I I don't want to judge, but I, I would go see a doctor. I'd start eating some greens, some fresh greens. You know, that's it. All right, that's our you heard it. You heard it here first, people. Eat fresh greens. Eat fresh greens. There you go. Those are the five stories that uh, Asif has, has culled through the internet over the last week, and uh, all focused on location-based and a great, great diversity. We got farms, man. We got airports. We got fast food. We got Foursquare. Man, it's it's. Uh, I love this kind of stuff. And and if your story isn't there, if you'd like to suggest it, reach out on tethergmail.com or Asif at the LBMA.com. We've had some really great feedback uh, from stories, but we'd like some more. You know, give us, it doesn't have to, the further away you are from North America, the deeper you are in Asia or Europe. And, uh, you know, the smallest of stories over there might be huge news for everybody over, you know, everywhere else in the world. So please reach out and let us know. Please. We'd love to hear from you. Great stories, Asif. Really appreciate that. Thank you. So our segment today, uh, literally, um, you know, I, I sat down with Lars Hard, who is the founder of an artificial intelligence company called Expert Maker, and and this this is a, a pretty unique conversation because I had an agenda over here, and we started talking over here, and this is this is a clip around uh, a, a very broad conversation, but very much around location and how location. Um, 
you know, Lars, it's really interesting. He doesn't believe that the database, he thinks the, um, the database should be abolished. And, and uh, this, is, this is a piece of that clip that he explains why, but it has a very, very relevant message here for location, location-based marketing, inference, understanding what your customer is doing, time of day, all that kind of stuff. But it's all isolated to location. And, and I love the way that Lars thinks he's going to blow your mind. I guarantee it. So without further ado, Lars Hard, uh, founder of artificial intelligence company, ExpertMaker, ExpertMaker.com. And uh, this will, is part of a larger interview that will be up on Untether.tv in the coming days. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Hope you do as well. We'll be back on the flip. ExpertMaker has been around since 2006, well before this real mobile revolution started when the iPhone, the first iPhone re was released. So why don't, why don't you describe, you know, what is ExpertMaker? And then we're going to we're gonna really dive into some of these topics that I mentioned at the top. Okay. Um, ExpertMaker is actually an artificial intelligence company. And we, we have a slightly different approach than many other uh, companies in this space that we can find out on the market today because we decided quite early on in uh, developing our company that we wanted to have a broad deployment of AI to give more people access to these kind of technologies that will enable more small, even small companies to, to utilize and gain value from these kind of technologies because normally AI is associated with very secret research labs and very large budgets and so on. And that, that has been a historical problem or it has also had a very academic side to it, not really proving what it could be utilized in for many different kinds of situations. So, so we are not talking about rocket science anymore. We are tr trying to provide very simple to use tools that a more broader audience can utilize to enhance and create value for their normal standard business. And what is an, an exciting development is actually that this stuff fits really well into the mobile space because there are so many problems associated with being mobile, having a small screen device and so on and so on. So there are many, many advantages bringing this kind of technology on. So you're bringing it like the whole goal of Expert Maker was to somewhat democratize or simplify artificial intelligence so that small businesses, any business can start to use this in a way that benefits them as a, you know, keeping it out of that research level and bringing it really making it human, so to speak, artificial intelligence, humanizing artificial intelligence. Does that make sense? That, that absolutely makes sense because um, looking at... Um, at this space, it normally requires quite a lot to produce anything that's smart. And we all know that today we are writing software to in order to produce uh, an, a good, high quality service, either, regardless if it's for web or it's for mobile. But we, we have to write that, we have to create programs that do it. Uh, bringing on artificial intelligence becomes more like a teaching activity. It's like having more data available and how do we transform all this data into something more meaningful and how do we transform it into new kinds of services that, that provides value for customers. So that requires new thinking and new tools and a bit new methods, but it's for everyone because knowledge is not for just smart guys in research labs with white coats on them. 
it's for everyone because everyone who has a business knows something about their business. And the question is, is there an efficient tool that can transform some of that knowledge that will improve the business itself or create higher value? For example, can I create a, a better recommendation system if I have an e-business site, a mobile e-business site? Can I create a higher value by providing better discovery features, for example, that so people can find the right products that they need or a better recommendation system? If I can do that and I can add some of my own knowledge and, and experience, because if I have a business, I know a lot about it for sure. And if I can transfer that in some way, then then I, I mean that's that's really the next step. So so we need a bit of new tools and we a few new methods how to work with this, and that in turn results in, in hopefully higher quality services. And it has not nothing to do with actually creating some kind of artificial brains. It's it's very practical and very pragmatic actually. Yeah, there's no neuroscience involved here. This is this is crunching data and looking for patterns ultimately, and then providing those patterns back. Yeah, that, that, that is one way of looking at it because there are many techniques that we look at. And neuroscience, for example, has, has had a tremendous impact on artificial intelligence because we are learning how to create efficient systems and models based and inspired by biological systems. So, so that's where neuroscience comes into this. But it's still relatively simplistic and, and often we... we misuse artificial intelligence in terms that we always think that it's kind of a rocket science for only very advanced problems like sending things out in space or creating very advanced discovery systems for very complicated data in medicine or whatever it is that we try to achieve. But in there are so many applications that could benefit from becoming slightly a bit more human-like, slightly understanding a bit more about where we are, what, how we want to interact. And that spans over many different faculties, like recognizing images, understanding noise, voices, sounds, music. It spans over recommending stuff, finding an optimal configuration, for example, or estimate something that could help people to understand and, and to get insights in their own problems or situations and help them to find the right uh, items, for example, to buy. And um, so there are many techniques and many, many sources of inspiration, but the direction of comes from, it, it comes from intelligence itself. And, and that thus neuroscience is somewhat relevant in this discussion anyway. So. And that was Lars Hard, who's the founder of artificial intelligence company, Expert Maker. Go to expertmaker.com for more information and stay tuned on tether.tv for the full interview. It's almost an hour with Lars about this. So if your mind was blown by this little segment, oh, I can't imagine what will happen when you watch the whole thing. So Lars, really appreciate you doing the interview for Untether and allowing us to use that clip here on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. A you know, AI, Asif, cool especially when used yeah, for good. It is, it is. And, and, and it hasn't even begun yet, really. No, and that's what uh, we make very clear in this uh, in this episode and in this interview is that, yeah, it has not begun. We are just at the beginning of this. Brought on, really, 
by you know the pervasive computing in our pocket because of the uh, smartphones and tablets. I think that that's really what what ignited this, and uh, obviously the commercial success commercial success of Siri for Apple and then Android's counterpart. And I think that this is this is just the beginning. Uh, so stay tuned. Pretty cool. Thank you, Lars. All right. So out in the world, there's all this funding activity, M&A activity. We we have two fundings this week in an M you know a merger of equals, I would say. Uh, we're going to start with one of these companies. Uh, you know, I, I find this all the time. You go into a restaurant, uh, there's a long wait. They don't accept reservations. It's first come, first serve. And uh, you're handed, what are you handed? You're handed a, what? A pager? Like, that's so old school. Yeah. Old school. So this company called uh, No Wait, literally, no, N-O, wait, uh, has a, I mean, it's not an innovative idea. I'm not really, I think there are a lot of companies out there that are doing this, but uh, they raised $2 million to do what, Asif? Help battle that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a restaurant seating management tool. It's an iOS uh, tablet app uh, uh, for, for iPad. Um, and uh, yeah, two million bucks coming from uh, Birchmere Ventures, um, as well as uh, some, some of the Sandhill uh, Angel guys. Uh, so this is a company that's been around for a couple of years. Uh, they've come out of a thing called the Southside Accelerator Program, the Alpha Lab. Um, so you know, it's a it, it's a you know one of those companies that's emerged from from an incubator type of environment. Um, yeah, and you know they've been doing some good some good stuff. Apparently, they've got um, about four million people have uh, have used this already. Uh, Forty five states, Canada and Puerto Rico. Um, they've got uh, apparently they're signing up between one hundred and fifty and two hundred restaurants a month uh, at the moment. So they're making progress, and now they've got uh, a little bit of capital to keep going. So, uh, second story. Uh, this is this is interesting um, because it's like uh, competitive intelligence sneaking behind the back. Uh, what runs where uh, is is a company that does this, and they just bought a company called Mobile Ad Spy that really allows you to know where your competitors are buying their mobile ads. Right? I like this. Yeah, I do too. This this is really kind of it, it's kind of sneaky, but kind of cool. And at the end of the day, when you look at advertising spend, um, you know, you know, tracking performance of, of of that ad spend is is you know is a big task. I mean, it's sometimes very very difficult, depending on what media we're talking about, whether it's online or you know mobile or you know text advertising or what have you. Um, you know the, the ability to track that and 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 sort of monitor performance around advertising is really interesting, and so that's the area that what runs where uh, comes from. They uh, they wanted to sort of augment their abilities on the mobile platform in particular. Uh, you know these guys have been you know big big in the online world uh, for for a while, um, and so Mobile Ad Spy is a company that uh, that was doing that. But yeah, I mean this is cool. So this is you know your uh, P and G. And uh, you know now you you know if you work with these guys you can know what Unilever is buying and and the performance of that and uh, you know sort of change your spend accordingly. So this 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 is good stuff. Stuff and and uh, I mean so what runs where was the the web version of this and then mobile ad spy is obviously the the mobile version of this and I, uh, I, I like this is a good combination uh, because yeah more and more you know there's a it's a blended buy right now when it comes to marketing and advertising web and mobile and and uh, you know there's some statistic that says that you know seven it's a ridiculous stat and I can't believe I'm quoting it but seven percent of your spend should be in mobile uh, you know the right amount should be in mobile. 
yeah. maybe not seven percent, but uh, but we're gonna and maybe like two percent of your spend should be on sponsoring this week in location based marketing. Two percent. Yeah. How about half a percent? I think on some of these budgets. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Uh, we'll take it. Well, whatever, whatever you got, we will send it our way. We're we're happy to accept. We will. So. We will. We will not uh, bring on any competitors either. So don't worry about it. They'll know exactly when you're at where you're advertising simply because you you will be here with us and we will make sure that people know about that. What runs where acquires mobile ad spy. Uh, you can get information from what whatrunswhere.com. The last piece of funding news, a little bit more of an investment. Wallaby closes a small round. What? Wallaby? Is this an Australian company? Sounds like it, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah, so Wallaby Financial, uh, actually. Uh, $1.1 million. Uh, and what they've launched is a what they're describing as a cloud-based wallet. Um, you know, for optimizing rewards, points, airline uh, miles, and, and other benefits. Um, so this is a, it's a seed round. So these guys are brand new, uh, uh, led by Founders Fund Angel, um, as well as uh, a group called WI Harper Group, SLP Ventures, and Lionwell's Capital, all participating in this. Um, the interesting thing here is, is um, uh, one of the things that they noted in, in the statement here is, is that um, They've got some investment and I guess some some management guidance uh, from executives from Green Dot, and Green Dot is a huge huge player in uh, in the uh, financial uh, transaction world. Um, so you know there, there's certainly some pedigree behind this. Um, you know when, when I see statements like that, um, which bodes well for uh, you know the potential for this to uh, you know have a chance at success. Anyways, I won't say it'll be successful, but. Yeah. It strikes me that $1.1 million is not enough to compete in this space when you've got behemoths like PayPal, that that is exactly their business. The PayPal card, which is a basically a front, and I mean that in a good way, for all of your, um, all of wh where you keep your money. That's your bank account, your PayPal account, your Facebook credits, uh, every other credit card that you have, every other um, transaction that they have. And that's what these guys are getting into. So. You know, I, I look at uh, Wallaby Financial. There's gonna, it's obviously a big market, um, but Amazon is gonna want to play in this. Uh, you know, ultimately Apple is already doing this right now with your Apple ID, and all these companies want to get into this space. 1.1 million dollars, even if it's, even if this is a seed investment, um, this is, this is gonna require many, 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 many millions of dollars just in marketing. To catch up to some of the players that are out there like right now and and uh yeah. this is not enough and uh, you know maybe too little too late for a company like this uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure about this but we'll see i mean if you're interested in these guys it's walla it's walla b financial but you can find them at walla w-a-l-l-a dot b-y wallaby yeah yeah so we'll we'll uh it's uh, let's call it for now a company to watch and, and we'll see what happens yeah uh, and uh, yeah, it's a competitive space. We're always talking about mobile payments, and you know, uh, lots going on, obviously, in that world. But uh, you know, yet another player, one point one million bucks, and uh, we'll keep our eyes on it, and uh, hopefully, uh, have something good to report uh, down the road. Yeah, I think that that's uh, you know, this is this is an interesting space, right? That that aggregator of the card, right? So that it's basically yeah. one card to rule all, to pay all. Um, and I think that the first company that gets this right, maybe they don't win, but I'm still waiting for that company to be able to say that this is your de facto card. And this actually allows me to pay with Facebook credits or it allows me to pay with some other currency that is not cash. 
It allows yeah. me. I mean, the, the angle they're going after here is card optimization, yeah. right? So this is about every card that we carry has some sort of po bonus points, reward yeah. program, yeah. something tied to it. That's a loyalty. And play. the challenge yeah. is, is what they're saying is the challenge is, how do you know what's the best card to use for you to get the best benefit in terms of rewards or points yeah. or what have you? Yeah. Um, so that they've they've you know they're optimizing that in the cloud and trying to figure out okay well. You know, it's all aggregated onto this one card, but you know that particular transaction we're going to, uh, you know, put through your Mastercard. This one we're going to put through yeah. your Amex uh, because you know there's a better, better return for you. So that's what they're doing. I, I like that play. We've talked about that many times before about yeah. trying to bring that to to the forefront, and 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 I like that. Walla.b, go and take check them out. They've raised 1.1 million dollars, and I think that they're going to need a little bit more. Those are the three funding stories, M&A and funding stories for this week's episode. If we missed yours, reach out on tether at gmail.com or Asif at the LBMA. We'd love to hear you. would love to put it in there. love to talk about it. love to uh, to bring it to the forefront. You know, if you raise money, I don't think it's the thing that you want to celebrate. I think that closing your first customer, maybe we should have a segment on that, closing your first customer. But it's a big milestone in a lot of companies' history. So if you want to push that out, let's push it out. We'll help you. All right. Last piece, our resource of the week. New report out, uh, Juniper Research. Uh, these guys are, you know, putting out some great reports lately. Um, uh, so they're saying 2.5 billion downloads by 2017 of, of AR uh, apps. Uh, I'm a big fan of AR. I, I think, uh, you know, we're just in the early, early days. There's a lot of great companies out there. You know, some some good LBMA member uh, companies in this space as well. I'm thinking of Gold Run out of New York that's been working with uh, NBC, that's been working with H&M, uh, you know, and a whole bunch of other uh, great brands, you know, there's a lot of potential around AR, um, you know, and, and I can see where, you know, 2.5 billion downloads, I don't think that's uh, going to be a problem by, uh, by 2017. I, it, we're just getting to that point where consumers are getting comfortable with it. Um, for those who aren't uh, from the Toronto area or, or, or Canada, um, the big thing that happens here in Toronto on, on this weekend, uh, this, this uh, long weekend here, the Labor Day weekend, or, um, is the, uh, the, the Canadian National Exhibition. And I was there uh, on Saturday uh, with the whole family, and um, I downloaded the, uh, the CNE app, and they've got AR built into this app. Uh, the place is huge. If you've ever been there, the grounds are, are just massive, you know, with like tons of buildings and rides and games and shows and all kinds of stuff going on. And I said, let me see what this thing is. So, and I, and I launched the uh, the app and I held up, the, you know, the AR uh, thing with the camera. And they literally have layered <clears throat> on top of the, the, the visual, uh, the view of what you can actually see around you. You just, you just hold the phone and you walk around. And it's pointing you directions on how to get to all the different you know places um, that uh, that are part of the grounds. Um, so, you know, it's it's coming. It, it it's going to be built into every single app. Uh, you know, of that of that ilk. Uh, you know, restaurants, couponing sites. You know, we talked a while ago about uh, you know the the stuff that uh, Cox uh, Target Media is doing uh, with uh, with the old the old blue envelopes uh, of coupons and layering those into augmented reality. Uh, Val Valpac, I'm talking about, um, uh, which is a company they own. Uh, they're using Janio for that um, to do that. Uh, there's companies like Wowie uh, that are out there that are connecting this to toys. You know, I mentioned Goldrun already. Blipper in the UK. 
that's working with Tesco and uh, Cadbury and, and some great brands over there. So there's plenty going on. You know, when you start to think about that, it, that uh, especially augmented reality with apps and toys, I think that that's a pretty cool place and, and uh, a cool place to go. And, and uh, you know, I was just pulling up the CNE app. Uh, there is a use for it, but but it. Uh, my thing is about speed, right? And and uh, yeah. you know, there's still mapping technology is still is still the fastest way to do this. However, uh, you know, I can see that there's there's a there's there will be a demand for this kind of augmented reality, especially as the screens, the rumored screens for the iPhone getting bigger. We got the Android uh, devices that are much bigger. Uh, you get a little bit more real estate. You know, first implementation of augmented reality was a little bit tough. Um, yeah. It's like the um, if you're an old web guy like me, the uh, virtual reality, the VRML language that you were supposed to you know flow through the web and and look at virtual uh, stores and everything like that it didn't really work out so well. Um, it was just too clunky and and <clears throat> I think that that's what they have to get over here. But I 2.5 billion doesn't seem outrageous, not at all. No, it doesn't. And uh, you know, just one last thought on this too. Um, if this is a space that you're interested in, augmented reality, that is, you want to learn more about it. The LBMA is actually hosting an event in October, uh, October the 10th in New York City. Um, uh, you know, we're bringing the New York chapter uh, together again. October the 10th at uh, JWT headquarters, uh, and the whole focus of the event is augmented reality. Keynote is Vivian Rosenthal uh, from Gold Run, um, and uh, we'll have an expert panel talking about it as well. So, um, you know, uh, augmented reality discussion October 10th in New York. And they can register where? Uh, they'll be able to register. We haven't launched it yet. It'll be later this week. Uh, you'll be able to register on the LBMA website. So just go to thelbma.com forward slash events and you'll see it there. Well, what a great way to end the show. 2.5 billion downloads for augmented reality apps. I think that if you say that it's going to be a part of a lot of the apps built into the, a lot of these apps, yeah. then that's a that's a, an easy piece. Start to see, think about the uses around retail and, uh, you know, we talked about groceries, subways, uh, tourism, uh, yeah, it, it, it makes sense that this will be baked in quite a few apps, quite a few apps. So 2.5 yes. billion, not a big stretch. But that that report from Juniper is 2,500 pounds, or, or 2,500 euros, I think. Uh, like it, it, it um, it's amazing. So if you guys, if anybody out there has any resources about augmented reality like this that doesn't cost an arm and a leg that actually businesses can afford to implement uh, with tactical tactical implementation tips those kind of things you know aside from the uh, the panel that's going to happen in new york in october with gold run and uh and the location-based marketing association like reach out like let's let's start to publicize this stuff yeah. use this use this audience and this avenue to broadcast that kind of stuff because you know we need this we need this democratized we need this information a little bit cheaper than 2500 euros yeah Man. well we the lbma will be doing a report later <laughs> in the fall uh so probably around end of november actually yeah. uh we'll we'll be releasing a uh a white paper on augmented reality and kind of some case studies and whatnot in that too so lots going on in the space so thank you guys for watching wherever you are really appreciate it see if any final parting words no, you know, just uh, want to thank uh, Proximity again um, and anybody else out there who watches the show. We really appreciate the support. Uh, and, and if you, you know, uh, if you got the time, you know, send us a note like that on Twitter. You know, uh, give us a, you know, uh, five stars in, uh, in, in, in uh, the App Store, uh, in iTunes, you know, whatever. Just, uh, you know, uh, we, we really appreciate the encouragement. Rob and I are passionate about this and, and, uh, we love doing it, and uh, if you've got great stories out there, uh, you know, let us know. Bring it forward. All right, that's it for episode number 93. We'll see you next week for episode number 93.
for Asif. Have a great week. Thank you, guys. You too. This, this century's version of the uh, breath mint, right? You don't, I don't want to grab that anymore, so...